I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello and welcome to Short Tales. For today's episode, I'm delighted to be joined by my friend and playwright, Kath Atkins. Welcome, Kath. Hi, thank you for having me. Absolute pleasure. Uh, look, thanks so much for joining me. I've been really looking forward to, uh, to having this chat. Um, but to get us started, I thought to sort of launch off what our topic is going to be, I was thinking maybe you could do a bit of a plug and a bit of a synopsis for your upcoming play. Oh, yes. It's uh, it's called Hunters mm-hmm. and it's about two brothers. And I know that you, Damien, uh, famously are a brother. Yeah. Uh, most, most of that's what I'm known for, <laughs> being a brother. Yeah. Uh, are and have a brother. So I know that this story is a very, it's your classic brother's story. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure you have your own version of this scenario that Mm. you can relate to all right uh so on the precipice of victory marcus and billy brothers and allies in a sharp and shrewd political campaign for prime minister retreat from the public eye to celebrate their ingenuity billy has the charming face and marcus the brains of the operation but in the shadows long simmering resentments come to boil as marcus discovers evidence that his brother has been sleeping with his wife who is also the deputy as well to complicate things further Juicy. With the crown of a nation within inches of reach, dexterous schemes of betrayal, infidelity, and political assassination unfurl. In the quiet corners where the press can't lurk, even the deepest of bonds are not safe from the poisoned fruit that adorns the throne of Prime Minister. Oh, hell yeah. Very nice. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, and I definitely want to ask you, uh, as we go, a bit more about sort of the, the writing process for that one. Mm. Um, but basically, obviously, there's a lot of sort of uh, little setups and twists and all the rest in there. So, Kath. What are we talking about today? Uh, we're going to be talking about the art of misdirection. Oh yeah! So I know, obviously, you teach writing as well, and this is—you sort of said this is one of your one of your favorite topics to teach. Would that be? Accurate? Oh, this would be my number one favorite yeah. one to teach for various reasons. It's fun. I think it's one of the most useful tools, and mm. also, interestingly enough, it is one of the easier ones to teach. Yeah. Okay. Strangely enough, even yeah, though yeah. it's kind of complicated but yeah yeah, I just think it's like something that every writer should have Mm, in their mm. in their toolkit and it's really fun also looking to deconstruct the way other writers have done it yeah nice like I love you know learning how the sausage is made yeah 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 it's a really fun one to go back into stories Mm. that have done it really well and deconstruct it and figure out the magic do you have like a a favorite story that you think is like whoa they just use misdirection so well god um no, I don't think mm. I, off the top of my head, I don't have a favorite one. The one that I reference the most yeah. is um, I reference the scene in Harry Potter, the first one, which is slightly different in the book, but it does still does the same thing. Right. Uh, where Hermione, Harry's on the broom in the Quidditch match and he's mm. being cursed and Snape is very suspiciously yes, across yes. the pitch. 
Yeah. It's, it's yeah, it was cool with that. Uh, <laughs> glad this isn't a sports podcast. Um, <laughs> and he is uh, looking at Harry, muttering, unblinking, yeah. clearly casting the spell. And yeah. Hermione goes over and um, in the process, Quirrell, in the book, she knocks over Quirrell in, mm. the, in the movie. She sets Snape's cape on fire, who knocks yeah. over Quirrell. Um, and that's a huge misdirection. For sure, yeah. And that's yeah. what I reference the most because it's, A, everyone's at least Familiar seen with it. it. Yeah. Also, it's really clever. I think, you know, it's kind of a, you know, not to get too deep into mm. J.K. Rowling, <laughs> I will say that the reason Harry Potter is as successful as it is is because of her capacity for misdirection. Yeah, yeah. Because, and I think you might agree with me on mm, this, mm. you know, Harry is a serviceable character. You can't yeah. say he's a brilliant character. He's a very no, serviceable yeah. one. Yeah, I do agree with you. The char- yeah. other characters are, are great characters, but mm. there are other great characters in, in storybooks. Uh, the fantasy is good, yeah. but I, again, it doesn't reinvent the wheel. Mm-hmm. Every kind of part of her writing is is somewhere between good to great, but the only part that I think mm. transcends those categories to explain why it is as wildly popular as it is sure. is her mystery writing and yeah, specifically yeah. her ability to misdirect. Yeah, that's I agree. where I think she's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. And so if we're looking at success, that's yeah. why I kind of go to that one. Yeah, yeah. I agree. That's that's a great example. And Truth's in the pudding, I guess. Yes. And I yeah, I think I like mystery and misdirection as such they're like a secret source to me that you mm-hmm. can... Yes, obviously, there are books that are set up to be... This is a mystery story, a crime story, a detective story, whatever. Um, and you're going in knowing you've got a mystery to solve and that at some point you get the fun of trying to solve it. But yeah. I think adding, like, that little sprinkle of mystery to kind of any other genre, which, yeah, of course, that's what she's done with these books, mm. um, just works a shriek because you get all the fun of that genre plus all the fun and intrigue. And it just means that whether they're watching your your audience is watching your work or reading your work, they want to keep going because there's something to figure out and solve. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I totally agree. And I, I, I categorize this as mystery and comedy mm. could and most likely should be infused into uh, every other genre. Yes, um, yeah. You know, they are their own genres, but they also are... A, a technique, mm. you know, kind of separate to genre Definitely. that can be inserted in. And I think as well, the thing about mystery writing, and this is a weird word. I always say this to my students that I'm like, I'm not encouraging you to mm. do this, but <laughs> it will forgive bad writing mm. uh, because if you write a story and in the story, there's a button on the table and someone is saying, do not press this button mm. and no one knows why. No one knows what happens if you press it. If the story is, even if it's story is very poorly written yeah. and normally you would have just, given up and stopped reading Mm. we will instinctively push further because we just want to know what happens to the button even if when you push that button even if it's bad writing yeah humans have that instinct to you know if there is a a mystery we Mm -hmm. want to know it yeah and we'll forgive a lot of bad writing yeah um just to get that answer so not that i say you know write a shitty book but put a good you know (laughs) oh am i allowed to swift yeah go for it yeah no i'm joking um uh yeah we'll, we'll push through um maybe some flaws in the writing. but yeah. And I kind of twist that with the students as well to be like, mm. not that I'm saying you should be <laughs> doing bad writing, but what I mean is if you were doing uh, setting something up, mm. right, something else, a payoff for whatever other part of your story, yeah. your audience may lose interest because they don't know that the setup is going somewhere good. Yeah, so if you're right. doing so- uh, t- telling a story which has some uh, maybe some more risky setup or some r- setup that's a little bit experimental, mm-hmm. not traditionally what audiences or readers are accustomed to, you know, putting a mystery in there will just keep them pushing through a little bit longer. So they may reach the payoff Mm. and not give up before. Yeah, that's great. And that's the thing. Like it's, 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 it's always something for us writers to be like, well, I want to write a really interesting, engaging story. And it's like the ending, I know I've got a great ending or whatever, but to sort of, 
keep them there. And this is where you can even like have mystery and misdirection on multiple levels. If the whole story is one big mystery, great. But even if you just like, well, for my second act, that's like the second act is almost its own story in the sense that that's the mystery story. And then we get to the reveal and it's the finale and we Mm. have our third act play out the repercussions of that mystery or whatever it is. But especially for a second act, which is usually like your bulky middle ground, you kind of got to get through. Great. If you can toss a little mystery in there, that'll help audiences get through it. You can toss um, misdirections. Like you could have mini misdirections Mm. for mini mysteries that kind of go through to just keep the pace moving. Yeah, yeah. 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 I just think it's one of the most useful and Mm. tools and most effective as well. Yeah. So what what do you think makes a really good misdirection? Like what what makes one that that is I guess satisfying for a reader but also satisfying in the sense of it services the story. Okay. I have an answer. Great. <laughs> um, because I do this yeah, you know, all the time. Um I have three key types categories of misdirections or, yeah. or tech uh, techniques for misdirection yeah. right, and i this. do rank them yep. in gold silver bronze um that being said take you know different stories a bronze will serve a gold purpose don't right. don't <laughs> that's not set in stone but i do personally think that there one each one is slightly better yeah. um than the other do you want <laughs> do you want me to just hell yeah that's okay. that's my jam yes all right aristotle no oh, actually i did <laughs> want to quote him aristotle said that um endings of stories should be uh surprising shocking but inevitable. So yeah, yeah. Uh, misdirection, right? Mm. The the reason why you need it in storytelling with mystery is because if you don't have all the clues mm. in the story so that your audience could put all the puzzle pieces. I'm using puzzle yeah. pieces as a metaphor for clues. Bring it on. Just if that's for future. Um, they could put all the puzzle pieces together mm-hmm. and pick the ending. And that is instrumental because if you if you couldn't, mm. the story or the mystery veers into uh, being kind of random and therefore yeah. unsatisfying. Yeah, yeah. But on the other half, if you put – because we have to put all those um, on the other side, If because we have to put all those puzzle pieces in the story, mm. if everyone is picking them up and putting them together, you're not feeling that other half of the equation, which is a surprise. Yeah. So you need to put all the puzzle pieces in the story, but your audience can't put them together. Yeah. And that's the role of misdirection, which yeah. is how do you put a clue into a story but not have your audience figure out well, that's pertaining to right. the, the the twist, the reveal, yeah, the mystery. It's, it's not sort of like a beacon being like, well, this is clearly relevant. And yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'll go through. Do you remember this? I'll go. Yeah, please. Down up, I guess. Yeah, yeah start with bronze. Yeah. So uh, the bronze method, which is commonly used uh, in, I guess, the most famous version that people would have seen mm. is in Sherlock Holmes. I call this hiding the clue, yeah. hiding the puzzle piece, uh-huh. which basically you can't, you stack the deck mm. so that there are so many things that could be clues, right? but they're all red herrings. Yeah, yeah. You know, so Sherlock Holmes will walk into a room and you are often um, bombarded mm-hmm. with details mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. most of them have no relevance. Right. You know, the curtain is, you know, singed on the corners and yeah. there's a dusty mantle with one square, not dusty. And, sure. You know, it's just, and then t- one of the table legs is broken and yeah. da, da, da. It's like really, um, like I say, stack mm. the deck, just layer on layer on layer things that could be clues, and yeah. then slide in there the one actual clue. Right. This is a good one as well. I find just a little trick is I love an absent clue when you do mm-hmm. this. Like I'm thinking Sherlock Holmes and the Barking Dog. Right. And the clue was basically, I think it was, I want to say it was a painting or a racehorse mm. was stolen. I forget what was stolen, but 
uh, he goes in and there's all these little details that we mm. see. And in the end, the one thing that was relevant was that the dog didn't bark that right. night. No one yeah, heard. Yeah. So he said, did you hear anything? And they said, I heard nothing. Yeah. Everyone said they heard nothing. But when he walked into the stable, the dog barked. Yeah. So that's an absent clue. If the dog didn't bark in the night, whoever stole it had to be... Familiar with the dog. Familiar with the dog. Yeah, yeah. So that works well. Like an absent clue works well because your audience is going to instinctively be looking for what each clue could mean. Mm. So just being like something noticeably wasn't in that deck. Yeah, yeah. It's a good one. Yeah, it is good, um, yeah. So that's, I, that's my bronze because I think it's it's like old faithful. It works. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of easy to do, to be honest. Right, right, yeah. Just excess, right? Just yeah. add more details. Yeah. I'm saying it's kind of easy to do, and then I <laughs> can't do it myself. No. Um, so then my silver clue is, and I really like this one, is when you, it's called the broken puzzle piece or the broken okay. clue. Yeah. Basically putting a clue in there, but breaking it into pieces mm. so that you're not getting the whole clue right. um, at once. Yeah. So you get half of a clue. Mm-hmm. That only makes sense when you get the other half yeah, yeah. 20 minutes later in the movie. Yeah. And so you would have to really be putting them back together yeah. to figure it out. That can be the reason why the clues are broken. It could be because it's deliberately mm-hmm. concealed. But also that's a great one to use that works well with there being inherent problems in a sort of a detective story. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm thinking um, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, the film. Right. You know, that's there's a broken clue in the she's... They see the photos of her at the parade and mm-hmm. they see that she sees something across the road and she walks away mm-hmm. and that's it. And they don't really know what to do with it. And it's not until they get the other half of the photos, which is right. looking from her direction, yeah. that they see who's in the... Right, what she saw in the yeah, first place. Yeah, what she saw so you've got half the clue, she chose to walk away, and then the other half much later of why she chose to walk yeah, away. And you, yeah, I mean, that's not as, that example isn't actually, strictly speaking, a misdirection, but it's just illustrating mm. the what you can do with a clue in terms of breaking it apart yeah. So that only with the pieces put together can you make sense. Yeah. You could also um, like disguise it in the sense of the clue is this works well as well with a more like dialogue based clues uh-huh. or behavioral based clues. Yeah. Yeah. Something can be presented to them inaccurately, and that's a clue. Right. But they have to decode the person who gave them the clue. Yeah. Okay. And then yeah, you have yeah, to set yeah. that up for like you know that character is a known liar or that mm. character is a known exaggerator. Yeah. They have to, you have to set up what it is about that character that distorts it, but yeah. Yeah. Like if, a couple if you can follow that thread of, of course, that character would be lying or boasting or whatever it might be, then you can get down to the layer of, oh, here's the actual information from the clue. Oh, there's the clue. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I, I watched actually last night a mm. really good example of this. Uh, have you seen Better Call Saul? Yeah, 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 yeah. So have you seen the – so the ending of season two – oh, spoilers. <laughs> um, the ending of season two, uh, Saul's older brother, yeah. who is uh, really paranoid – deathly paranoid Mm. of electronics is recording secretly recording soul that's the twist right that he's secretly recording him yeah and the they actually put the clues in there because he Saul comes into the room Mm -hmm. and it's all lined with um alfoil so you think he's gotten worse in terms of his fear of electricity yeah yeah um but there's a ticking clock sound in the background Mm. which of course is an electronic form yes so that but that's kind of broken because it's distorted by the excess alfoil. Right. The alfoil is a misdirection, yeah, really. 100%. Yeah, hundred um, yeah, percent. Yeah, the clock is the clue, but you're so focused on the fact that this room is covered in alfoil yeah, that you, can that you barely notice. And it's you don't even see the clock; it's mm. just the sound of it. And that's the clue that actually he is allowing yeah, electronics in here. But 
they've misdirected us with the alfoil, yeah. with the setup of him being so paranoid. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah, nice example. Yeah, and so the, my gold standard, and this is my favorite one. Mm. Um, and this, I do, I do argue this. I think is the best one, but it is the hardest to do. Which right. is why you should have other ways of doing it because mm. it actually isn't always uh, an option. Mm-hmm. Um, which is repurposing. Okay. And this is where J.K. Rowling comes in. Right. So you take a clue and you change, give it another function or another Mm. purpose in the scene. So let's take the Harry Potter scene with Quirrell. Yeah. Quirrell, right, is a nervous character. Mm -hmm. He's a character who ostensibly has a lot of power because he's a teacher. Yeah. But is kind of almost comically nervous in Mm. a way that doesn't even make any sense. Yeah. So when Hermione runs over and sets Snape cape on fire when mm. he knocks over quirrell it's a comedy beat yeah yeah. it's gone and it has a function other than it's obviously the big clue it's the most important thing that happens yeah, in the scene yeah. is him knocking over quirrell yeah but it but it's played as a comedy a comical moment because yeah. quirrell is such a like a simpering character and snape is uh, it's funny that it comes from snape as mm. well like it's 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 a joke so it has another function which is comedy so you're mm. not looking for well why did I see that what's the point of seeing that yeah. because you, you know the why it's there. comedy right. it's a comedy beat yeah. Yeah. Um, in the book it's slightly different I think Hermione knocks over him which again I would still argue that's another comical mm-hmm. moment but I think in the book it serves the third function right. of um, establishing it's exploring Hermione's character because mm. Hermione loves rules and she's very um, fearful well not fearful but like respectful and yeah yeah Hesitant to break rules or, yeah, break Precisely. people in power, yeah. So for a character like that to knock over a teacher, mm. that's showing uh, the the Hermione being put, like it's putting her up in a tree and throwing a rock at her. Yeah. And she's knocking her. That shows you how important this is to yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. So again, so in the book, that has two, it's funny and it's an exploration of Hermione's character. Right. You're so focused on those purposes, mm. you're not looking for the fact that actually that's a huge yeah. clue. Hey, look, he got knocked over and the thing stopped. Yeah. 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 But yeah. Um, so, yeah, repurpose it. If you give it, mm. so if anything that you put in a story that has a clear function, yeah. your audience will be inclined to not waste too much time on. Yeah. Because they're not going to evaluate it for secondary or tertiary uh, functions yeah. it's got its clear function it's yeah. served its need we're on with the story yeah, yeah it's yeah. always it's funny because it's uh, you know i i grew up watching um you know i love those crime procedural shows mm. and it's always the character in the first act that comes in that you ha- that has a scene with the detectives mm-hmm. that is it feels random feels like it has no f- and you're like well that's obviously right the killer because it's <laughs> yeah, a neighbor yeah. walking over being like oh well, go ahead like <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah. and i'm like what is this why am I seeing this? Yeah, yeah. But your audience will ask that question. Why yeah. am I seeing this? Why am I reading this? Yeah, yeah. So give it a reason and they won't look too hard. That's and great. And then you can hide it. Ah, hence the gold standard. Yeah, that's, that's why awesome. I think it's the Yeah, it's yeah, the yeah. Kiss. Because I think what I really like about that is like, obviously, yeah, if you're writing, if your audience knows this is a mystery story and I'm looking for misdirection, yes. you've got to work even harder to get them off the scent because they're actively sniffing it out. Yeah. So, yeah, having a way of going... Oh, I've been given something. I know what it was. I can discard it now. Yeah. It means, yeah, great. Hopefully they've missed it. Yeah. 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 yeah that's great. Yeah. You should be writing to, I think, if, you know, if you're a writer yourself, you mm. should be writing to people like yourself who are looking. Yeah. Because if you can convince them, if you can trick them, you could trick everyone. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? 
For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And then, so there's something I've always found. I've written a few mystery stories now. And I'm always, my feeling is like, and I guess just to, to sort of take the pressure off anyone who's listening, who wants to write mystery stories and you know, feels the pressure of convincing your readers or misdirecting your readers so thoroughly that they never guess the ending. Mm. So I, I personally go into it with the idea of like, yeah, they may be smarter than me, my readers. I think that's always a good thing to, to expect the best from your readers and, and definitely um, n- never think they're stupid or anything like that. Always no. expect them to be super intelligent because they probably are. Mm. And so I always go and go and like, I'm going to do my best to misdirect them. But mm. If they don't, I just hope they have a good time along the way. Even if they figure it out halfway through and they see the pieces I put in there and my misdirection was there, but they go, I think I can see through it and I figure it out. As long as they have a good ride along the way. Do you, What's sort of your feelings towards that? Do you, Are you like worried about them figuring out the misdirection or you're kind of like, well, I'm going to do my best, but I'm not too bothered? Oh, um, that's a good question. I, I think that if it is well done, mm. but they still figure it out, that it was satisfying yeah, nonetheless. Yeah, yeah. So take, um, it, it's, it's if they figure it out, but it feels easy, that's when it gets boring. It's like, yeah. oh, well, it's so obvious. But for example, take the season finale of Soul, season mm. two. I picked it the moment right. I heard the t- clock ticking. Yeah, okay. Well, actually, sorry. No, I picked it even before that. The The clock ticking confirmed my suspicion. Yep. But the moment he walked into the room and that he his brother had obviously regressed in yeah. terms of his fearfulness, mm. I immediately was like, that is a misdirection. Yeah. And I, but, but you know, that's probably that's like a writer thing. Like mm. we do. Oh, Because sure. that's how I would have written it. Yeah. Because yeah. the first thing You're I thinking, thought what would is, I, be doing? Yeah, yeah. I would have his brother... Um, use electronics because it's a great thing for the mm, character. Yeah. It feels the right timing in the whole show for him to make that leap. Yeah. And that's what I would do. And then when I saw that he regressed, mm. I was like, well, I would have it be a ruse. I would have that yeah. as a misdirection. Yeah. And I was right. But that was incredibly satisfying. Being mm. like, yeah. Because yeah. it was so well done. Yeah. It's If anything, it's like, cool, I'm as smart as the writers from Better Call Saul. Yeah. I'll happily take that back. Yeah. 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 It's, yeah. Al- yeah, it's kind of like a, I don't know, like a, almost like a secret. Not secret. It's almost like an unspoken, mm. <laughs> um, like high five between you and the writer on the <laughs> yeah, show. Yeah. That you, and if they've done it well, it doesn't actually. F- I still think it's satisfying. Yeah, yeah. In a in a different way, but yeah, well, yeah. I suppose it's still like it's ticking the inevitability box, 
And it's still surprising enough because you're like, oh, if that is what it is, that's clever. Like, yes, that's still that's clever, surprising yeah. and good. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess I was surprised because I spent, I spent that whole, that scene was incredibly tense for me. Mm. I would argue maybe more tense than if you didn't know the twist. Right. Because I was like, don't confess. Yeah. Don't do it, Saul. Like, yeah, yeah. stop it. He's obviously recording you. But also, right. like, I remembered, like, being like, Am I right? Am I right? Am I right? Mm. Am I right? And um, that show's really good at, maybe not a slow burn, for me a slow mm. burn, like mm. it's really good at like a gentle reveal that isn't like a big like Slap smash you cut. Like, yeah, yeah. It's just like a slight, it's just a slight, he just pulls away the newspaper. It's yeah. a soft It sits reveal, in the moment a bit more, yeah. Um, which was great because it added to the suspense of whether mm. or not there, a twist was even coming because you they don't, it doesn't make you feel like, something's building like the violins don't rise yeah or right right yeah i was really tense in that scene in a right. way i haven't been in a long time yeah yeah because i was like am i right am i right am i right <laughs> well I there, there's something else you've pointed out which i think feel like both with quirrell's character being um obviously nervous and everything like that and then even for this character um in, in better call Saul being quite intelligent and then yeah quite can be uh conniving i suppose but then also that soul that he's ultimately soul's uh, achilles heel and that he's got a soft spot for his brother yeah um when soul loves someone yeah, yeah yeah he will do just about anything for them that's it yeah um and then yeah and even the way you talked about hermione it's like yeah bringing character into misdirection yeah. seems awesome it seems like yeah. the way to do it if you can yeah um and i do think that i think like for something like i think with clues you can like clues are a really good way to push uh, plot forward mm-hmm. is if we get a clue even if we don't know exactly what it means yet it might take us to the next location for our detective to go like you know it's the matchbooks for the strip club down the road oh great yeah. great that's where we're going to go next yeah. and start interviewing people which is every police procedure which is every police procedure There's you've ever always seen something yeah. At a strip I, I, yeah i reach for some very low-hanging fruit there <laughs> um, <laughs> no well, i mean yeah, it, is, yeah. it is in like everything it's, yeah, yeah. And I do think I think clues should push the story forward. I think yeah. if you can get them to serve that double purpose of yes, we're getting a piece of the puzzle, but we don't have the full answer yet because we need all the pieces. Mm. Cool, but it should also be moving plot forward. But I think mis- when it comes to misdirection instead of clues, I think yeah, using characters on that end of it seems to be just a really great way to one like kind of hide it, but also motivate it. I suppose. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, I suppose if you rep- if you're repurposing. A clue, right? Mm. If you're going for the gold standard. Yeah. So that your audience doesn't realise what it's actually sort of hinting towards or, or giving you evidence of. Um, if you repurpose it into character, you're forcing yourself to write something. Yeah. Because you're not going to do something, like it's not going to be Hermione like entering a rap battle mm. as like a, you know, a misdirection. It still has to be an exploration of, yeah, of yeah. the characters. So you're kind of forcing yourself to do your homework a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Good. That's always good. Yeah. The better you know your characters, the more. Yeah, the more, the more you can add in. about the like nuances and the way that they tick. Yeah. 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 So then for characters in general, but definitely about um, your your upcoming play, how did you sort of design those characters to be characters where there is sort of these multi-layers to the story and to the characters and try to like have them as characters that can pull off some twists and turns and some all that sort of stuff? Like what's what's your go-to when it comes to designing an interesting character? Oh, uh, well, uh, with Hunters, um, it was just based on you and... And your brother. John, yeah, yeah, yeah. Classic. Okay, that's why you were observing us through the windows for weeks on end. Yeah, just like yeah. breathing. No, um, I actually told my nieces. I can. I've been trying to convince them that Hunter's based on my brothers. Oh, so right. They're one okay, of the, great. Their yeah. father and and their uncle. Yeah. And they're they're half buying it, half being like, when did 
daddy run for prime minister? And I was like, he didn't tell you? Yeah. Yeah, it was a big deal. Um, no, uh, so, well, Hunter's was it was not not easy. It was mm. logical because Hunter's was a COVID baby and it right, was... Right, right. It started... I didn't think it would ever be put on because it was meant to be just an exercise. Yeah, okay. Um, I guess I think it, when I say it's easy because it was the starting point of the story was... Mm. Um, I want a character who is uh, the smartest man in every room. Yeah. Uh, I think Frank from House of Cards. Yeah. You know, very good at manipulating, Mm. very good at plans and schemes and getting what he wants. And it was important to me that... Because I traditionally write, because I with comedy, I love misplaced confidence. Right, um, right. It was important to me that this wasn't my usual shtick. Which okay, is, this was earned confidence. <laughs> <laughs> which was he actually was the smartest yeah, man in yeah. just about every room. Right. Because um, I think that's an interesting... I thought it was more interesting if he was right mm. about that. About that. Um, but with anyone possessing great... Uh, intellect and tact mm. and technique. If you study them long enough, you can learn the way that they manipulate people right. and the yeah. way that they get yeah. that what they want. And so, if you accept that they're the smartest man in every room, mm. you then can predict how they will scheme. And mm. so, in the story, right, Marcus, smartest man in every room, mm-hmm. he finds clues. And oh, I don't want to spoil. You know what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Try spoil it. Whatever. Um, it doesn't give everything away. I, I won't say who or what. Mm. But um, knowing that he's so uh, like a bloodhound, can sniff anything out. Right, right. You can then leave clues, but they can't uh, be too yes. obvious because he'll figure out what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I wanted to create a character who was smartest man in every room, and mm. what if someone knew him well enough? Yeah, I like to that. predict that pattern. Yeah, and. Could he be usurped? Could his own desire mm. to sniff out clues and know everything yeah. be used against him? Yeah, that's really good. Using that thing against him, but there's the I remember reading this thing about um, comedy it was about comedy characters mm. and basically giving like sitcom characters like an ironic um, characteristic and the thing that they want, but there's something that they want, but their personality kind of gets in the way. And the example it used was Sheldon Cooper from Big Bang Theory, mm-hmm. where like he wants to be acknowledged as the smartest guy in the room, and mostly. He is exactly that. Yeah. But his intelligence is so academically focused right. that for in that area, yeah, he is the smartest guy in the room. But for things like social norms or mm. any of Penny's intelligence, he is a babe. He is naive as can be because he doesn't put any, usually wouldn't put any sort of value on that. And so, yeah, he hasn't bothered to learn anything about that. So, he come, wants to come across the smartest guy in the room, but by pursuing that, he actually becomes super naive. Yeah. In, yeah. in the way that he, yeah, the way that he is. Right. He, like, takes it away from himself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, like, even for your that character, it's like, yes, he's got this very, like, superpower almost thing of this super intelligence and, and ability to sniff out clues and be one step ahead of everyone. But if someone's going, great, he's used to being one step ahead of everyone, I'll, all i got to do is put enough steps in there that he will think, he'll still think, he, oh, I figured you out. Yeah. yeah. And if you know the way that, if you can predict his... Like a, like a, a discovery mm. in the case, then you can use that to your advantage. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And that may or may not happen in the story. <laughs> I cannot confirm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I also liked your comment on how, like, for Hermione using it as like, well, the personal stakes are higher because she's going against her nature. Yes, like that just feels like I've never really thought about that for that scene, but that's such a clever little trick of like, I can actually make my character do the opposite of what we expect, but for them, but if I've set it up well enough. That's all you're focusing on, other yes. than the action itself. Well, you actually that what you what you're talking about is mm. my second favorite thing to yeah, do, which nice. we learned at uni. I don't know if you remember this, but we learned that this was okay. a lesson I can remember. Like I can go into yeah, my mind yeah. palace 
and remember every <laughs> second. Um, yeah, so it's it's about the idea of, okay, so we create characters and we create these rules mm. for the characters, like who they are and what they do and the way they do things, right? right? But if they stick to that, mm. um, then it, you know, your story doesn't, can't, grow and they can't be pushed to their limits and that's actually a one-dimensional character who has a set of rules that yeah, they never break right, right. because we break our own rules all the time Constantly, but yeah. if it's just random that's not a very it's not a clear character mm. so the trick to that that we taught was in the square i like anything with like a formula or oh, like a too, graph yeah. or a <laughs> yeah, shape yeah, yeah. so it's a character square and three of corners mm-hmm. of the character they're three most uh, outwardly defining features. Mm-hmm. When I teach it, I go think, you know, for a character like Hermione, it's three positive traits. Yeah. For uh, an anti-hero, it's three negative traits. Right, right. Um, but let's take Hermione, for example. Uh, yeah. She's intelligent. Mm-hmm. She follow- She's a rule follower. Yeah. Uh, she's pragmatic, yeah. right? Sure. Those are her most, on the outside, mm. defining characteristics. And for most of her life, they're the ones kind of behind the wheel yeah. of Hermione. But she has... And all characters have mm. one characteristic mm. that is lying dormant, like a volcano. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it's engaged, it will override the rest. Yeah, cool. So for Hermione, the characteristic that um, will override being, you know, following rules yeah. and respecting authority and, and being pragmatic yeah. is loyalty to her friends. Yeah, cool. Yes. So yeah. when her friends are in danger, she will break the rules. Mm. When her friends are in danger, she will do something that's pragmatic, like going into the corridor, mm. third corridor, third corridor? It's been so wild. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, go, you know, doing that is not a pragmatic thing right, for a kid right. to be doing. It's yes. not a wise thing. Yeah, yeah. You're sure she's wiser than the others, but it's still not. If you're a pragmatic person, that's not great odds. Yeah. But it overrides all those qualities because mm. Harry's in danger. Yeah. Um, and that's what makes her so interesting as a character because we're watching, we know who she is mm. and we know how, like, defined sorry how strong those characteristics run in her Mm. but we also get to see how powerful her loyalty is yeah because for someone as uh strong-willed as hermione Mm. for for that quality to override the others it's it's impressive it's so much it's a lot it's like it's like a big shift and so that's why it's more powerful but it doesn't feel random with her because it's the consistency of she'll break the rules when her friends you don't see hermione breaking the rules to go get like chocolate or <laughs> right, you know, yeah, yeah. money. Yeah. It's she will only break the rules for, for people that she out of yeah. loyalty. And oh, she hates good. doing it. Yeah, yeah. But she but, she she'll, but do she'll do it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Um, yeah. Um oh that's cool. That kinda of brings me to something else I wanted to talk about, which is like setting up our various kind of anything. Obviously like we're talking about misdirection, but like for misdirection to work we need to have so many other pieces of the puzzle already in place Mm -hmm. so whether it is character motivations or whether it is just plot line or um, exposition or whatever so do you have any like when it comes to sort of making sure all your setups are there so that all these misdirections work and then your and your twists work and your payoffs work and all the rest is this something you kind of try to nail down completely in the first draft or is it something you're like oh that will do for now i'll come back in the second draft and add in a few more setups to make this thing work or even just like oh i better go set that thing up now because i've just added a new element i'll jump back in and set something up like what sort of approach to to doing setups that's a good question that i don't have yeah <laughs> <laughs> I don't have like a, a, a method of which. Yeah. That, I mean, I I think one day I will. Yeah. I mean, oh yeah, obviously. It's- <laughs> but um, I th- I yeah, to tell you the truth, I I think I probably would know from the beginning. Mm. It would be something that I would probably put in some really cool um table. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, I do tend to kind of kind of like map out 
these key details. Yeah, yeah. Um, at least the broad strokes, and then as I'm writing, opportunities to sprinkle more in. Yeah, yeah. Definitely, like, will come up. But no, I think I know from the beginning because I, th- I will typically like I work uh, backwards. Oh, do you? That's interesting. Yeah. yeah well, okay. I work backwards in plotting. Right. Not always in writing. Yeah. But in plotting, I work backwards. So yeah. I will start at the end. Okay. Yeah. And then go. Okay. Well, in order to set up this twist, I need to put this in. Oh well, take my first play for example, which mm. had a very sort of discernible twist. Yeah, yeah. I I was. Before I wrote anything, I knew that I wanted to have... Well, it was actually like a reverse clues because mm. they think they're solving a, a mystery, but they're yeah. actually just delusional. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, like, for example, they think the food's poison. Yeah. And I, so I knew, I said, if, if at the end they've decided that this girl is a serial killer... Mm. And that's my big, that's where I started. Yeah. But she's not. Mm. But they've solved the mystery, right? right. Um, I was like, so ha- logically there has to be an opportunity to, for her to have poisoned the food. So that's mm. my clue that yeah. they're going to discover. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, well, then the food, she has to be alone with the food. And then mm. I had it. So I was like, oh, it's takeaway. It's dropped off at the door. Right, right. And then I said, that's oh, not enough. I want someone to see her with the food. Tampering it to some degree. Like, yeah. In a really suspicious way. And so I thought, okay, well, what's next she could be doing mm. that looks Really fishy, but obviously yeah. I know that it's not actually. But yeah. that they could take that and run. Right. And so I was like, oh, she dropped her contact lens. Mm. And so she's on the ground. Perfect. And the yeah, food yeah. is also hidden. But, the, okay, this is my misdirection mm. here. The food was hidden behind a pot plant. Uh-huh. And so she had no idea the food was even there. Right. Right. But, you know, in the in the moment, they, yeah. that's just her word against theirs. Yes. Um, so the food being hidden behind the pot plant was because, was because of ca- explosion of character, which was Sarah. Mm was cooking for um, her friends, but she didn't want everyone to think she'd gone to a lot of effort. Yeah. So she put, she put it into takeaway containers and yeah. hid it so she could go to the door as if it had been delivered. <laughs> like, oh, it's here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because that was the theme of the piece was like about pretense and mm, social mm. Um, posturing. Yeah. And, you know, the very, I, I guess, kind of Melbourne way that we like to act <laughs> like unbothered and like yeah, easy so breezy. Chill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I was. I guess that was a misdirection that I used character to disguise mm. and comedy as well. Yeah, because like her, that's a bit ridiculous what she was doing. But yeah. I was exploring the character of Sarah. Yeah, brilliant. And that's and like I mean, burying it like we talked about character, burying it in theme as well, or mm. even tying it to theme. That's so good because you're like, oh, that's just again, if it, it is that gold standard of like. Oh, they put that in because that's the theme of the thing. Yeah. That's why we had to have that beat right there. Yeah, because yeah, that's yeah. what she does. It's all about pretending. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and posturing. And, yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Well, for me, the set- setups is like, I think definitely that that method I talked about, like, uh, I'll like, that needs to be set up at some point. I'll go back in and pop it in at some, you know, I've written past it because I definitely write from start to finish usually. But then others, sometimes what I do is like, oh, I need to set this up and I'll look back at what I've already written and go, what have I already got? What's just some random detail I put in there because it felt right in the moment? Mm. Can I use that to now actually have a greater importance later on? Yeah. And then sometimes I can work a treat because I've dropped it in there organically. It's just part of the story. It's just a background detail because we needed a background detail at that point. Like yeah. whatever it was on the wall or there was this pet that they had or whatever it might be. It's just like, that was just a nice little detail to add to sort of yeah. enrich that scene. And then later on, I'm like, oh, I need 
need something here for this thing, then sometimes it helps to kind of, yeah, look back and go, well, what have I already put in there? And then yeah. I can steal that. Oh, great. And then great. it felt like I'd planned it all along, but no, yeah. actually it was just, you know, I think, I think that's a trick for a lot of um, mystery writers is sometimes it's just like, yeah, you let the story come out and then you go, all right, how can I manipulate the pieces that are already there to sort of create the picture that I want? Yeah, but I mean, I think that's the beauty of repurposing is you can absolutely do it that way. I mean, mm. you could even like this this method, I see no issue with someone writing with no thought about trying to conceal the clues in any yeah. way, just writing it in a way that anyone would figure it out. Sure. And then going back and going, okay, there's my clue. Let's mm. find another function for it. Right, like, right. Because repurposing something, it is like two separate ideas. Mm, mm. Um, so you can totally like, it's almost like laying, like when you're building something, like laying yeah. it down and the uh, repurposing is the coat of paint on top. Yeah, 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 that's great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's something, I'd, again, I, I think for lots of writers out there is that you don't have to get it all done on your first draft. If anything, no. far, far from, you know, multiple, oh, multiple everyone's drafts. Everyone's first draft is bad. It sucks. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. In fact, it should be bad. I think it's weird if it's good. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of agree. Jealousy. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, sure. Definitely jealousy. <laughs> no. but, but like, no, I mean, if, if you've done a proper vomit draft, I think at least, like if, if some people might do what they call a first draft and I would actually say, okay, but you've, You've already been like editing it as you go, in which case, it's, yeah. yeah, it's already technically your yeah, second draft. That's or whatever. true. Yeah. I wouldn't trust a good first draft. I'd mm. be like, oh, you wrote this in your head for like five years. Yeah, and yeah. That's why it's so yeah. Good. Show me your outlining. Okay, uh, that is basically its own draft yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Because fuck you, you're not allowed to be that talented. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Well, look, mate, this has been an awesome chat. We better wrap it up there, though. But thank you so very much for coming over and joining oh, me. Thank you for having me. It's been a joy. All right. Well, if you'd like to see more of Kath's work, and especially if you're in Melbourne, uh, but even if you're not, you should just come to Melbourne uh, and check out her play Hunters, which is showing every night at the Butterfly Club from the 24th to the 29th of October. I'll be there on the Friday if anyone wants to come say hi. Uh, you can also get tickets to that one from Butterfly Club website, which is thebutterflyclub.com forward slash slow forward slash hunters, which I'll also include in the show notes, too. Uh, and as for me, you can find me on Twitter at Midday Pajamas or feel free to send me an email at shorttales.podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, this has been Short Tales and I've been Damien Robb. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.